You're listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast, discussing all aspects of precision and long-range rifle shooting. This episode is brought to you by Impact Dynamics, advanced training for the precision shooter. And now, over to your hosts. Well, hello and welcome to the Precision Shooting Podcast. Uh, I'm sitting in the middle of a paddock with uh, two blokes from NT Practical Rifle, Butters and Bear. How are you, gentlemen? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Rusty. How are you? Good. That was that was Bear first and Butters. Yeah, you doing good. well? Yeah, good. Thanks, Mike. Excellent. Just so we can tell the voices apart for the listeners. So we are, we are literally sitting by a campfire and uh, we've managed to um, make all this podcast stuff work. Now, you guys are on a bit of a road trip down from Darwin uh, to visit everything. I think when you told me what you're doing, you're pretty much covering um, half of Australia. Yeah, it was a bit of an idea. We'd both been up in NT a bit long. I've only just got back um, from overseas, and we thought that why not do a bit of a running trip? Uh, we've got that Vic Prack shoot down on the 26th and thought why not um, make it coincide with that. So Yeah, brilliant. Um, yeah, we're... Well, as we well, as we can't we're down in Adelaide now, but yeah, started in Darwin on last Thursday and got down there. Well, Friday evening. Yep. Caught up with a couple of people so far, and yeah, the plan is to catch up with more people ahead. We're out here to see if we can stretch the legs on a couple of three three eights and yeah, see what we can do. Absolutely. So yeah, we've got a bit of a day planned tomorrow to have a bit of a crack um, and see if we can't try and push these things out. So tell us about new guns, because I know recently you got new guns or new barrels or new bits and pieces. I think I'll let Bear start on this one. <laughs> He's got the most interesting stuff. <laughs> oh, okay, right. so... Off you go. Yeah, so like most my age, I grew up as the Counter-Strike generation, and you know we all know that the best rifle in that was the three three eight, and it was always one of those calibers you always wanted, but you never thought you could afford. So... Um, yeah, I just went overseas and got a lot of disposable income and I was speaking to Jason Hillier at Adger and yep. asked him, you know, what's the go with getting an AWSM and he said, hey, um, we've just got a couple coming in if you want to put your name down to one. I said, oh yeah, we'll do. Um, nice. Put some money down on that um, and then, yeah, had to wait, you know, six months to get back to actually fire the bloody thing. Yeah, right. So it's been sitting there waiting for you for a while. Yeah, Jason held it. Um, yeah, since January until I got back and <laughs> right. and then he sent it up and yeah, we put it all together and away we went. And away you go. Yeah, and that was um that was my second AI. Um the first one I got was uh, um I got an AT off um Danny down at DTAC um in uh, late twenty fourteen. Yep. In uh three oh eight and it was one of those rifles that, you know, if I don't buy it now I'm never gonna buy it. Mm-hmm. Um it was an upgrade on a star elite I had. Um which I thought I'd reached the limit as what I could do with that rifle. Um, yeah, so bought the bought the AT and shown it to my good mate Butters over there, and I think got he the bug. yeah he got smitten and yeah you yeah. guys seem to be all sort of AI sort of stuff going on in NT. What's that, what's happening up there? Is it you got too much money? Just, I wish. <laughs> yeah, you know, if, if you're not spending on booze, you're spending on guns and ammo. Yeah, so I suppose. No, no, good call. Good call. And so you're running the AX. Yeah. I think we covered this last time. Didn't yeah, we? I got the AX pretty much because I like Bear's AT so much, and yeah, just went from there. And yep. um, yeah, I just wanted to go the one, the one platform. I didn't want to have to fork out for three different scopes, so I just got the AX, and yeah, just recently got the um, the uh, other couple of caliber conversions. So I got the 308 that arrived in the last couple of weeks, and yep. the 338 last week. And how they going? 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that a sore point? Is it? How's no, the, how's the three weight going? Oh, it shoots. No. Goes straight. Okay. Goes forwards. Goes, still goes straight. I've, I've only shot ten rounds through that so far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, okay. So it's all right. It's shooting. I just got to tailor it a bit. But the uh, yep. three through eight was a bit of bit of an issue. Um, yeah. Right. Tell us. Tell us about that. Oh. Or if you're not, if you're willing to admit to it. <laughs> no, I'm willing because so <laughs> I went. Life. I went. In, when I first got the barrel, I had some issues loading for it. I couldn't get the seating depth in far enough to fit the mag because I'm using the um, 300 grain burgers. Yep. And anyway, I got it. Got them in far enough for the magazine magazine length, and I went out to the range and I shot the 300 wind mag out of it, and um, yeah, zeroed that in. So because I just finished the. Uh, I think I just finished the NT Queen, so I just wanted to re-zero it, make sure I knew where it was shooting. Oh, congratulations on the NT Queens as well, mate. Coming, did, coming did, last. Coming last? Yeah. Yeah, well done. Fourth. Don't, fourth don't, and last. Don't kid yourself, <laughs> mate. <laughs> no, like it. there wasn't much in us. No, I think there was 10 points between first and me, yep. so I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah. But, sure. um, yeah, finished that, so I went and zeroed the 300 uh, win mag barrel, got that shooting perfectly. Mm-hmm. Switched out the barrels to the 338, and the first thing I got was it shot a mil and a half low. Windage was good, but elevation low. I thought, oh, what's going on here? Anyway, I figured out it was just point of impact change. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I tried to shoot a couple of groups. Started off with some real low low power stuff. Yep. And it shot a minute and a half, and I thought, oh, maybe just wearing it in a bit. Mm-hmm. And as I, as I went along, it got worse and worse. I thought, what? What the friggin' hell's going on here? Anyway, um, so I went home, rethought about it, went back out the next day with a few loads and put my target out at 200 metres and started shooting five-inch groups. So I threw the towel in. It's pretty entertaining imagery you sent. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't pretty. And anyway, then, yeah, today we... uh, I tested it again with the same loads and it seemed to be a lot more consistent today. At 200, it was shooting more like an inch. Well, you're shooting SA, mate. It's much better. It's half the temperature. Ha, ha, freaking ha. So, yeah, it shot, it shot better at 200 metres. And then I thought, right, I'll put it out to 700 metres. And my uh, drop data was wrong, which I thought it, you got to calibrate it anyway. Yeah, anyway, sure. I, was a, I was a mil high. So I thought, right, I'll aim. I'll aim and I'll adjust. And then I went and put... However many shots are in the one spot on this target, and that was with different loads, yep, uh, different grains of uh, powder in the, the cartridge, and they still shot, Got still it. shot quite well. So, yeah, right. well, hopefully we can tidy that up tomorrow. Yeah, hopefully. Mm. Mm. Very good. And have you had your three through eight go, Beth? Yeah. So when I first got it. Um so when I was overseas, I was with the, uh, working with the Brits, and obviously, yeah, they've got the AWSM in their inventory yep. there is the 115A3, and got friendly with a couple of the sniper qual guys over there and actually got their um, their um, doctrine, okay. which encompasses the rifle and uh, its ammunition. And basically, even though the British issued use a um, 250 grain Lapua lock base, yep. um, but heard better things about the CNARs, so I ordered the CNARs, but... Um, I pretty much just seeded them to the exact length of the the Brit rifle. I tried um, tried the old habit of using the fired casing and um, pushing in one side and trying to get the land length out of it that way. But, yep. yeah, didn't have much luck chewing that about three times. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, just went straight off the issued or, yeah, the standard round they used, um, their issued rounds, and um, 
load it to that length. Um, similar charge. The Brits have a bit of a um, high power load in theirs. Um, they usually try and get about 930 out the muzzle, mm-hmm. all metres a second out the muzzle. And um, I, uh, with my um, chrono, I was measuring 910. Yep. I thought I was close enough. Um, yeah, and I was getting pretty good groups. Um, I think we got like... Was it? More than pretty good groups. Mm-hmm. So one hole at 200 metres. Yeah. That's pretty... That's pretty good group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and then yeah, it was like, oh, the furthest it shot before we came down and, yeah, we were shooting with Mark today was um, only 500, and that was, yep, the 500-meter small gong at Darwin double S double A. Top left edge, put three shots on the same same splash mark. I'm like, that's done, buddy. Yep, all over it. Put development it finished. Done. Yeah, so then and, yeah, I've got everything set, and, um, yeah, I'll just keep playing with that, and we'll yeah, see how really? it goes. Nice, and was Butters fuming, sitting there looking at you, get, was, it, get it nailing it first round? I was flipping tables. Yeah, I would have he, he didn't even have his barrels yet. Or... No, I didn't. Um, oh, okay. I was very jealous until yeah, my barrel arrived last week. Yeah, yeah. and then very disappointed. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> it all changed, mate. You'll, you'll get there. Yeah. That'll be good. Challenges. Very good. Now, you guys have announced a pretty uh, decent-sized shoot in October. Can you tell us about that? That's the finale? Yeah, so we've had our, I think we've got five five sort of standard shoots throughout the year, just on a Sunday morning, yep. um, just for mainly the locals up there. And we've been getting all right numbers, and what we thought, like certainly after we come down for the PRI uh, two months ago, yep. I thought it wouldn't be great if we could just hold something on over two days and um, get as many people from interstate up as we can. Make, yeah. it, a, make it something worthwhile for yeah. For blokes to come up for destination shoot. You know, we, we had the idea for a while, and then we um, so we had drafts written up and um, pitched it to the committee. Pretty much, yeah, we put it to the committee last week, and they said they loved it and said, "Yeah, definitely go for it." Let's, Wonderful. Let's have it happening. That's great to get good support from your range. Yeah, no, really they, they've been fantastic. Um, especially they did fork out for targets for us, and we're not an official discipline yet. We're yep. just shooting under some other uh, other discipline rules. Yep, and um. So we've got to we've got to make a proper discipline out of it mm. with them, um, just so funding that will be a bit easier. But yep. no, they've been really good, especially our our range warden. There. He's been really good. He's all yeah. for it. Wonderful. And yeah, a lot of interest. Even though not not a whole heap of people have been coming, but a lot of people have been saying, "Yep, yeah, when's your next one?" Sort of thing. Good. Yeah, and usually, usually when they say, "Oh, when's your next one?" they they will come along. Yeah, that's good, mate. That's uh, and it's, the numbers have been growing, or the interest have been growing, hasn't it? Yeah. So. I think we started off pretty well. <laughs> the, we, what was the first shoot when uh, end of last year? I think it was middle me, of last yourself, year. It was John, yeah, and Casey. Yeah. That was that was it. That yep. was because we were slack <laughs> as buggery, bloody putting out advertisement for it. No, they wouldn't <laughs> let me put it up on base. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, no, yeah. So we have got this two day event on the first and second of October. Yep, it's all locked in. We've got that's a Saturday, Sunday, I take it? Yeah, and yep, I believe it's long weekend for some states. Yeah, definitely for SA yeah. um, and some other states probably. Mm. I think New South Wales. But anyway, I'll check that out. Yeah, yeah. so make it worthwhile. Definitely. And um, so, it, like like we said, it'll be very similar to the PRI. There'll be a uh, morning said- stage, afternoon stage on the Saturday, and then a mm-hmm. morning stage on the Sunday, and then we'll hope probably wrap things up yep, uh, Sunday much. afternoon. Especially those that have to, you know, maybe start making tracks back down south if that's yeah, yeah, where they came from. Or yeah, airports like or driving if they're if they're inclined that way. Mm. Sound, sounding like another bus trip from SA. Yeah, bloody yeah. If this Vic one goes well, maybe uh, maybe we'll do that. I don't know. We'll see what interest we get. Yeah, It'll definitely. Be good fun. 
Yeah. And so, um, have you got have you got much planned for it? You're not allowed not not allowed to say yet. Because I've heard the word slinky mentioned, and I was w- mm. looking for an explanation on that. Slinky, or I'm looking over at Bear for that. Yeah, we'll let we'll let Bear explain the slinky. We don't know if it's going to be in or not, but it, <laughs> it's scary. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So slinky started off as um, when we did AK Qual overseas. Um, uh, one of the things that yeah, the Jundies over there tend to do is they fire their gats over their heads and at an oblique angle. So. Or scorpion tails, depending on which school of thought you're from. And um, one of the ideas I had when I was watching some guys shooting that was if you shot um, precision rifle at the slant, you know, you're going to be counteracting both your already dialed um, elevation, but then your windage then becomes your elevation. It becomes yep. a bit of a mental exercise. And, and I'd been trying to come up with some stages to throw back to Butters back in Australia at the time, thinking, you know, what can we do to drum up some interest <laughs> I, I think I think mess with people was the yeah, but and yeah. then I was like, you know, like you know, if you if you're far on a side, yeah, you figure that out. But then wait a minute, then what if I one eighty it? And we already had a staircase barricade, so the idea um, Another was cross barricade, cross barricade. Sorry, yep. Um, so basically, you go down a set of stairs and back up. And and I was just like playing with the idea of like you know, you the gat starts um, horizontal and flips up one eighty rolling down the staircase I'm like oh you know like a slinky you know and then gets to the bottom and it starts to go back up the top and then you're thinking well that's that's pretty dreadful um, <laughs> I think that's about as worse as it's going to get so I don't know if we we hold that in reserve as a a tiebreaker or if we try and run that maybe as a um, not scored but just see how you go uh, yep. bit of a time trial you know see how many people get caught out um, forgetting to reverse um, their what yeah. is now their windage what was their elevation um, and see how that one goes. Yeah, brilliant. Because I think yeah, you were you were testing a bit of that lately, haven't you? Well, yeah, <laughs> I saw some pictures. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying that, and and yeah, which we would have covered in one of the previous podcasts, and and it's it's certainly um, it's cal- it's able to be calculated, and it's it, not it can as be shot. it's not as scary as it sounds. Once you know where it's it's going to go, where the point of impact difference is, it's going to be consistent downrange. There was Correct. a mob that had a program that figured it out, wasn't it? I think I saw something a few weeks ago. A mob that they were shooting with like a DTA on a slant, and yeah, they, just they didn't give much information into it though. Okay, yeah, right. Now it's um, it's yeah, it's quite predictable. I mean, I only did it on the left hand side, but it would be then the reverse details on the right hand side. Yeah, and that's that's what's like designed to <laughs> to trap the bloke out. But um, yeah, yeah. make him yeah. Tense. Hopefully, it would never have to be used in anger, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. Hey, eh? <laughs> I think tiebreaker is probably not a bad, um, not a bad way to to use it. Payback. You're, you're, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're a bit of a fan of tiebreakers, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. No, I went, am. Got, went for, well for you. Yeah, you're very lucky, good. Lucky you picked a good stage. <laughs> so we, um, we go. Uh, you guys, um, we, we're down here at the impact, well, impact dynamics now, um, long range place, um, and so then you're going from here over to <coughs> Melbourne. Eventually ending up for the shoot out there? Yeah, so we're going to go, at the end of the week, we're going to go spend some time with Bear's family and uh, see them all there, down there and do a bit of spotlighting. And mm-hmm. um, obviously on the weekend, we're going to go visit Jared at, uh, with the Castle Main mob and yep. and see how we go there. Sort of support him a, a little bit. So have you been doing any practice? for? No, uh, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> awesome. Sounds sounds well prepared. <laughs> that's, so. what, that's what the rest of the week's for. Yeah, yeah, good. Have you tried uh, tried Hawkins' position? Yeah. Yeah, not with not with the AT. Yeah, I don't think bees. Um, Hawkins, I find just probably the the most stable, unsupported position you can do. And yeah. I, and with our uh, just regular sort of Anzac Day or Australia Day shoots with our double S double A. Oh yeah. Uh, 
what we'll do is five shots standing, five uh, kneeling, kneeling or sitting, and then five prone. prone. They don't tell me I can't do the Porkins. So I go in the Hawkins at 200 metres, I put five bullseyes down. and <laughs> Yeah, talk it up, bull. <laughs> <laughs> yep, good. Is that is that is that true, Butters? You 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 doing it? That's, that's oh, right. he probably is. He's a poaching prick. No, I'm it. sure you're <laughs> no, away, Rusty. But Comes down down yeah, here, true. steals all the steals trophies. All the trophies, and then uh, I yeah, said, yeah, yeah, five bullseyes in Hawkins. I didn't say I hit the target for the standing or the, the <laughs> kneeling. Left <laughs> <laughs> out the appropriate details. Yeah. yeah, nice, nice, very good. So I guess in the last podcast we um, we caught up with your history, butters, and shooting. So if anyone's interested in that, they can go back. But Bear, we haven't spoken to you yet. How did Ooh. you How did you end up in shooting precision or practical rifle? Um, where where'd that all come from? Well, I uh, grew up on a farm down uh, South Gippsland, and uh, Dad was always into hunting sort of thing. So quite early age, you know, pulled out um, to go out shooting with him and his friends and older brother. Um, yep. You know, normally just sitting in the passenger seat at a young age, and then until finally, uh, you know, here's your chance, given the twenty two, you know, try and plink off some rabbits. Hmm. Um, so I always sort of grew up and went into hunting and. Um, you know, went chasing foxes, um, odd kangaroo when you could, um, you know, pigs up in Cobar a couple of times, you know. Yep. And then I think, uh, like, my, oh, probably not, I, um, dad and my brother were really big on um, field and game, shotgun shooting, and I got pulled into that um, pretty much as soon as I could get my license, you know, as soon as I could get my license, was yep. Yep, out there shooting clays, and that pretty much became... Um, my monthly shooting was, yeah, go up to local field and game club, shoot um, around, well, two rounds of clays a month. And that was like all the shooting I ended up doing th- mostly through school. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like most, um, when Magpul released that Art of the Precision Rifle, um, yep. sort of stumbled across that just on the net and thought, you know, what's this about? You know, I'm, I had a, I had a 308, I had a Star Elite in 308 that mainly I was just using for, um, as a, Hunting rifle was a bit heavy, but um, it was a good, accurate rifle. And I watched the yeah the Magpul blokes yeah sitting there um, hitting hitting steel at long range and getting that nice um, reactive thud at the other end. And you know that that's a lot like you know you go out and you you shoot that big buck and you're like yep. you know this this could be a lot easier than trudging around the mountains trying to find something to shoot. <laughs> and um, yeah, where I was working at the time, there was a lot of um, a lot of old mild steel just hanging around and, you know, I was asking the boss, do you want this? Do you want that? And he's like, no, you can take this and take that. So quite quickly, quickly amassed a lot of, um, steel plate and obviously started shooting a lot more and started amassing a lot of brass and was like, oh God, now I've got to start really loading because it's, I'm going through that much <laughs> ammo. So, you know, you drop money on a press and you start finding loads that the rifle likes and then you load bulk rounds and then you start shooting the targets hit then the targets start buddy wearing down and you're like oh crap now what what can i do for targets and you look into it and it's like oh yeah people are talking about this biz plate 500 and yep so then it was through work get onto one steel you know can you guys yeah, cut me up some biz plate 500 like oh yeah you can even cut me some eyelets in it and next minute i got somebody got buddy he's um, reactive gongs all over the farm like weeds and you know like telling the brother yep no nah, cows on the left side of the farm today i'm shooting down the right and he's like all right yep fair enough and started shooting down it and it it just became sort of something for fun um get the mate's friend out there or mate and his brother and all that come out and they'd bring their rifles see how they go and normally it's like yeah i'm there trying to read the wind and 
dial the windage and yep, here we go, buddy, bang, expensive noise, try again, you know, and, <laughs> um, and then it'd be me, me mate Ryan, he'd be like, yep, got the old, uh, was an A-Bolt Stalker with, um, what do you have, a, it was like a three to nine Leopold, just fine duplex, and he'd be like, yeah, about there will do, bang, ping, like, get off the range, you know, <laughs> pissing me off, and, um, no, he's a good bloke, and yeah, and his brother um, Dwayne, he had a two four three, and we, you know, always give him crap over that because we were the three oh eight boys, and yep. he was the two four three, you know, real loud and leaving really not oh, nasty marks on the steel, but it was all fun and games, just trying to learn, you know, the difference between the calibers, and then when I joined the army, it was you know, everything sort of got in the hole. You know, like, oh, I joined the army, get to shoot lots, and you know, I shoot, I shoot more outside the army these days than I do in, and. Then I uh, went through training and um, was sort of not expecting to get posted to Darwin. It was a bit one of like, oh, you know, what am I going to do here? And for the first year, um, I left my firearms down in Victoria on the farm. And during that time, I met yeah, Butters over here and uh, yep. went down to the uh, Darwin Rifle Club a couple of times. Saw him there shooting F-Class. Saw it. Um, didn't quite um, think that was for me. Not a not a big uh, paper puncher after you know growing up hunting that's where i thought the appeal and steel was was getting that instant feedback from the mm. targets and i think um yeah i sort of dragged him back over a bit to the double s double a range because we yeah. had the steel gongs there and um cost me a lot of money yeah <laughs> and it, yeah i'm sure <laughs> continues sure, to <laughs> yeah, i'm sure Cass is real happy with me over that <laughs> and it was about that time when it's like oh yeah we're going to the double s double a a bit and Maybe it's about time to trade the style in. Um, I'd put a few rounds through it, but um, felt it wasn't wasn't the best rifle for wanting to um, do a lot of um, long range work with. Like handy handy enough rifle in the scrub and good to about four or five hundred meters. But um, after that, it was probably a combination of me and just um, not knowing the knowing the gun that well. But yeah, I found it real hard to get a hit past you know six hundred meters with it and. Mm. Got the AT and you know tried to reinvent, vent myself with that and yep. put a new scope on it and yeah you know it sort of got to the point where you know I've got got this rifle with X scope you know there's literally nothing I can blame but myself so I've got to I've really got to um, <laughs> knuckle down and try and buddy hit steel now so and then it's just progressed from that we you know we'd go me and Butters would go out the range I brought my firearms up at the end of 2014 and. Um, yeah, we'd go to the range like most weekends. You know, we're just sitting there um, shooting at double S double A range, and it's you know it's quite enjoyable. And then it's you start seeing like the the Paris in the states, and you start thinking, you know, it'd be good if we could do something like that over here. And mm. what was just a spitball sort of turned into a landslide. You know, yeah. butters yeah really started. You know, we should really do this. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, I'll be there for <laughs> Drag moral, him into yeah, it. I'll be there for <laughs> moral <laughs> support and. Sounds like he hates it, mate. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah no, should kick him out. Yeah, that's it. Can't yeah, really good. stand it. I get my weekends back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good, mate. Well, that's yeah. I mean, that's not a an uncommon story to hear, is it? You guys have sort of just been growing up on on farms or been around it and shooting and and hunting, and then sort of have ended up sort of getting into this rifle. It's it's really this practical rifle sort of stuff. It's really good to see, and what you guys are doing is excellent up there. Yeah, I reckon we. Because I reckon that'll get a lot of new blokes into it. Like, I know 
uh, one bloke that started with us at work last year. I said, oh, come out and have a shot with us. So yep. there you go. And he loved it. Come out and had a shot with uh, with Bear, myself and another fella. And we, we just went to the DRC range and had a target up. And we just w- went back and had a shot at each range. And each range and he, he, he was loving it. And um, yep. he's currently trying to figure out what type of rifle to buy now to shoot the practical rifle. Well, surely if he lives in Darwin, he has to buy an AI. That seems to be the... Uh, no, he's... <laughs> He goes on too many holidays. Oh, right, eh? Okay. Yeah, he's so got commitments. Right, so a Ruger American or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah something. good. <laughs> Excellent. We might uh, take a break and stoke this fire up because I'm getting cold here. So we'll do that and uh, we'll be back. All right, so we've stoked the fire and Bear's broken one of the chairs. So we're off to an absolute ripper. Oh, nice to be warm again. Um, so I was going to ask you guys about your new guns. Now, have you done anything in terms of breaking? Well done, Bear. Nice. <laughs> ah, yes. <dude. laughs> so, um, so that if you put uh, put a drink down on top of this table, it makes a good old noise, and uh, that's just what we got. So anyway, we'll, um, I was going to ask you guys: Have you broken your um, broken your rifles in at all? Not at all. No. No. And any reason? But as you, same no, deal. I started shooting it. Just got stuck into it. Haven't cleaned it yet. No, nah. wonderful. No, nah, just no. Dead said all we've really done is started shooting it and just use say, a boar snake through it. Just to well, that's what I've done is just pull a bit of the crap out and the my three hundred barrel, three hundred wind mag barrels hasn't seen a drop of solvent or anything like that, and it still well, it still shoots as good as it started with. How many rounds roughly you reckon? Five hundred and fifty, roughly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I think I've got to count back and see how many boxes of projectiles I've got. <laughs> That's basically how I've been counting. That's how you work it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. No, very good. We um obviously continuing having that discussion on a, and it's always good to to get other opinions and ideas uh, about that process. Hmm. What about? I mean, you you got a few. Go on, Bear. Have you broken yeah. any of them in or you've never tried that? No, I haven't bothered with AIs. So um, when I first got the, like, the first new rifle I bought was a Star Elite. And um, when I first got it, I was like, yep, sweet. Bought a box. or oh, bought, like, a case of shells and basically just went up down the paddock and zeroed the bloody thing against a hay bale. I was like, yep, that's good enough. <laughs> and um, it was actually a mate's dad. He was really pestering me. Oh, why have you broken a barrel? And, you know, and I'm like, what, what's breaking a barrel? And he's like, you know, you fire a shot, you clean it. You fire a shot, you clean it. You fire a shot, you clean it. You fire two shots and you clean it. I'm like, that that sounds like, you know. A lot of work. A lot of work a lot of work and a lot of wasted ammo. I'm like, you know, why, why do I have to keep doing that? Um, and I did a lot of research into like, you know, everyone's got their opinion. Oh, you've got to, you've got to fire a barrel. You know, it's never going to be accurate. And the farmer's son, you know, you work with metal, you know, that, you know, metals, metal gets worn away. Metal's never going to be as good as it was the day before, you know, you constantly rub something against it, it's going to be worn away. Yep. And I sort of felt that, you know, if, um, you know, barrels, same thing, you know, the barrels only going to get worse the more you shoot it. And the idea of, um, yeah, going through cleaning, it was like, Ugh. you know, this seems a bit odd. And I was, I quite religiously cleaned this rifle, um, you know, I'd take it out for the night, only fire like three or four shots. Yep, get it home, scrub it out, and get it ready for the next night. But um, like most, I guess you notice that you know your your clean shot is a lot different to um, after the barrel's been fouled. And I started to notice that too with this star. I was like, you know, um, my impacts actually 
um, shifting a bit to the right after it's fired um, about half a dozen shots. It's become dirty. Yep. And then I started playing, well, what if I just don't, you know, actually zero at four fouled and started playing around that? I'm like, oh, that seems seems to be the go. And looked into a number of things, particularly when I got the AI or when I got the AT. It was like, you know, people were like, oh, you should... Um, you should um, break in the barrel and it's like, oh, I don't know. You know, it's a pretty high quality barrel. I'm, I'm assuming, I hope they put in this bloody thing. And, um, <laughs> and I looked into it and, you know, and there was, you had the, I looked into it again. You had that, that split divide. You had those two camps of thought, you know, must break in a barrel. Um, other people like not, not required on um, certain, you know, barrels. Like obviously some cheaper manufacturers may have those machining tools in the barrel that need to be um, cleaned out, deburred, but something of quality, um, shouldn't need that process. And that's when I started looking into the, um, fouled, um, versus clean debate where, um, well, as you interviewed Todd Hodnett, yeah. um, is that, nah, you just keep shooting, you know, um, one of the videos I watched of him is, you know, he stated he had a three three eight. he's put 2000 rounds through, he hasn't cleaned it and it's still as accurate as when he first, um, sighted it in. Well, I think that, I think that's grown to 4,000 when... We spoke to him. Okay. Yeah, I'm um, guessing it's probably the same gun he was talking about. Yeah, it's probably that um that Seiko he had that um TRG with the folder on it. But um. All oh, right. Oh, maybe not. Anyway. It was. Yeah, I'm like, oh, you know, he's a reputable bloke saying this. I'm like, well, I'm going to try it myself, sort of thing. So, um, the AT itself. So, before I left, I don't know what Butters has been doing whilst I was away. But no one um, really knows what Butters has been doing. Yeah, it's don't it's, wanna know. Yeah, it's been hauled out. My rifle's done terrible things, and <laughs> when I had it there, I basically put about five hundred rounds through it, and um, I didn't even clean the bloody thing. I think I put like a light coat of oil on the outside, but yep. maybe ran an oily patch through the barrel just to try and get rid of some of the carbon residue because. Um, didn't have any just carbon remover and I didn't really want to put the, um, the Bortec number nine through it to get rid of all the glorious, um, copper fouling I'd amassed in so far. All that money you've spent on it. Though. Exactly. You know, yeah. you're basically just wasting money. You're scrubbing this crap out, but no, it's, <laughs> um, it's just been a, um, what well, was been a battle just trying to find some carbon remover and it was, wasn't until we came down here, we actually found some, you know, oh, like right. you you go up to one of the gun stores in Darwin, okay, I need some carbon remover, and people look at you like you're stupid, you know, like, oh, what do you what do you want what do you want to just remove the carbon for? You gotta get it squeaky clean. I'm like, no, nah, just wanna get the carbon out. And it was the same with the with AW, it's I think it's like hundred and thirty three rounds it's had through it since I've got it. Plus whatever they put through it at the factory before it left. But um yeah, it's never been cleaned. I think I got it. Um I put um, an oily, an oily patch through it. Uh, then put a couple of dry ones through it until nothing came out, and started firing it. And it's yeah, just been like a laser ever since. Thank good. Um, so yeah, unless I start to yeah see some obvious signs that maybe there's too much um, fouling built up and the like, I don't expect to actually be doing a scrub on that barrel until the day it dies. And so um. Yeah, we were talking barrels before, and uh, you mentioned you're looking at getting a proof research barrel, which sparked my interest. A- any particular reason? Uh, I thought it looked pretty cool. Um, uh, the length on the on the AW, um, for example, it's a 27-inch barrel, even though it's got flutes cut in it. It's a pretty big uh, piece of kit trying to hold out there in space when you haven't got a bipod on it. Yep. Um 
and I think it was uh, Butters that actually pointed me into the line of um, carbon fiber barrels being a bit lighter, and just looking into the you know the savings you could get from a um, carbon fiber over a traditional steel, and then you if you read into the Kool Aid propaganda about you know it's uh, X amount uh, much lighter, so if you went for like a 24 inch barrel in carbon fiber, um, it would only weigh as much as say like a 21 inch full steel barrel but you're yep. still getting that um, increase in velocity retained through the barrel length but um it's just coming down to what it actually um, want to use it for so the at um, with its quick change barrel system probably probably going to lean towards a 260 for it um mm-hmm. you know i think we all read the one of the articles it was like, you know, welcome to 2015, say goodbye to your 308. Um, <laughs> but um, after today, I think uh, the 308 still still going strong. But um, I'm still be interested to see what I could get out of a 6.5 out of out of the AT and of the barrel choices. I'm no no rush. I hear there may be a bit of a wait for um, a proof research barrel. But um, a lot of the precision rifle um, groups are following Facebook. A number of the guys there, you know, they've got brand new AXs. They're putting these proof research barrels in them. They're um, they seem to be stating near the bee's knees, and yeah, they're certainly certainly different, isn't it? And that's it's just the way it looks. It looks like um, looks like an unpolished marble, nearly when you look at the finish, and if you look at like the the Hardy barrel, I believe. Yeah, um, Hardy. Yeah, and it's like the carbon wrap. You know, it looks like um, some rice's front end. You know, it's you know, it may, it may still do the part, but you know, yep. I, I want it to look pretty too. <laughs> <laughs> may as well while you're uh, while you're shooting, may as well be looking good. Yeah, yeah, do what you can. You've you've just got that was a cooler shooting star. Yeah. Oh, missed what it. I missed oh, that. Man, what what? Oh, it right, stayed we'll there to, for a bit too. Places a prison. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll have to um, we'll have to keep an eye on the uh, on the sky as well. Yeah, that's uh, that's it's amazing. It's already worth it doing out here. That's exactly right. <laughs> so I'm going to do every podcast outside now. Yeah, we were the first, <laughs> the original. <laughs> um, this is um, yes, hopefully. Hopefully that fires the noise of that fire's coming through as well. Will be good. It's much uh yeah, it's going well now. Brilliant. And uh obviously you've no no barrel changes for you, butters, you've just got a stack of them. Yeah, no, barrels. just just got the three barrels for the AX. And yeah, just gotta make them get them working, I guess. Yeah. I think that I think what I found with the three through eight is I just needed to foul the foul it in. Yep. So That's it. hopefully it's I'll um yeah fill around with some loading tomorrow morning and see how that goes and yeah hopefully improves it might be a cheap ai barrel going soon <laughs> could be check it out and use guns yeah i'll sell it to greg yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right what's the twist rate on it that'll be the important question nine um, what is it nine point nine one point, to nine point something retarded nine point three five yeah nine three five yeah yeah, yeah. That's Fast if, you, if you listen to the hodnet podcast you'll work out where that came from yeah I yeah. think that's where I got the explanation for it. Mm, yeah. Probably. Yeah, nice. They thought he was crazy. <laughs> probably is. <laughs> Method. I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> and so um, what was, uh, I was going to ask you guys, um, obviously, you know, you're having run a few matches now and, and shot a few, um, what uh, guys who are listening are perhaps getting into precision rifle, wanting to get into precision rifle, going to ask you what your thoughts are of where they should um, spend their time, spend their money and spend... Um, yeah, spend their effort into um, you know, where where they're going to get their results from relatively quickly, and and what to, what lessons you've learned that you pass on. 
Mm. I know it's a pretty generic sort of trashy question, but I think the answer is probably worthwhile. Well, it should it'll cover a lot of people. I think what people really need to do is work with what they got, and just shoot shoot the crappers out of it, and just really know where it's where it's going to shoot at each range. Like for the PRI, all I did was was work out where the bullet's going to hit at each range, and that's all I really did. Um, obviously, our practical rifle helped a lot. Yeah, sure. But I reckon, so if someone had, if someone had nothing, I, all I would say is go and buy a three oh eight with a with a fairly standard standard barrel, somewhat heavy, um, and just put a d- somewhat like an okay sort of first focal plane scope on it, and just keep practicing with that. Mm. And um, like for instance, uh, Josh up in NT, my workmate, I've he's got himself one of those SHVs. Yep. Uh, Night Force one, so the 4 to 14 first focal plane. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's got that, he's waiting, and he's just waiting on a couple of little legislation things to see whether he can get a Ruger precision rifle because he's, yep. he's really keen on one of them. Don't blame him. Yeah, but. <laughs> but yeah, biased. <laughs> informed. Informed, Inf- not biased. Oh, okay. That's, that's the media spin these days, <laughs> is it? <laughs> As the first time we've ever been called media. Ooh, anyway, there you go. <laughs> you Going go up down. in the world. But I yeah, think that might be down. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, bud. Let's carry, yeah, carry on. So, if the Ruger falls through, I've suggested to him a ticker CTR. It's basically it's got a threaded barrel already, so you can put a muzzle brake on there if you choose to. Yep. Has the magazine system, and I'm not sure if it has a Picatinny rail for the. Yeah, it does. It does? Yeah, it's yeah. got well, scope. Go. Yeah. And so, it's oh, being released in 6.5 Creed. There you go. And basically... Did you hear that? He just dropped something. Sorry? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> What's Rusty's favourite caliber? <laughs> <laughs> 260. <laughs> yeah. Or 338, maybe. I don't know. Find out tomorrow, hey? You, you might have to get a barrel off me. I might. I might. <laughs> <laughs> then I just need a gun. Perfect. But yeah, basically... Uh, get a standard standard um, first focal plane scope, some sort of 308. 308 because it is cheap and easy to re- reload for. And yeah, there's heaps of match-grade stuff available. Yeah, you don't even have to buy. reload for it. You, you're going to get a lot of barrel life, a lot of practice out of it. And what you want to practice is simply just not necessarily shooting off a bipod off the, off the concrete or off the grass at a target yay far away. Get in... Obviously, you want to do that for your get your drop data. Make sure you calibrate all that. Yep. But you also want to just practice those positions where you may be on the bipod, but not necessarily necessarily in the uh, prone position. Get on mm. the ba- get on the back of the ute. Shoot off the tray of the ute or the bonnet. Just practice standing up uh, different positions. Uh, not necessarily offhand stuff. That's that is quite rare. I hope so far, for my <laughs> sake. Um, you haven't seen Slinky Part Two. Yeah, we've we've still got some time until they shoot butters. We can still bring out some bad ones. Luckily, we're not shooting it. <laughs> yeah, I'm too busy that weekend. <laughs> but yeah, you just practice your different positional shooting. Um, obviously, levels was a good one, where you're at. I think four different five positions. different positions in, in that one. Five, yeah. including the prone. Including prone. Yeah. Um, yeah, just practice at different heights. And one thing you want to know. Uh, make a point of is when you're shooting those different positions if you have more points of contact on anything you're going to be more stable when you shot yep. 
So tuck your arms in, tuck them into your body, hold the barricade, hold the rifle as much as you can. If you've got a bag. If you've got a bag, use it. I don't use it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do as he says, not as yeah, he does. Exactly. Uh, and what I found, say if you're shooting off a barricade, what I've found, if you have a light gun, lean into the barricade with the front of the rifle stock. Mm-hmm. Uh, not Don't rest on your barrel, that's bad. Uh, but lean into the barricade, that'll help. But if you have a heavy, heavier gun, like, say, my AX, what I found is easiest to do is find the balance point and put that on the barricade, and all you do, basically all you're doing then is pointing the rifle. And then you you want to hold the barricade in the rifle so it doesn't fly off when you when you fire that shot. Yep. But, if, but if you're just ba- balancing that rifle on the barricade, you're not worried about holding it up and straining yourself. If you find yourself stra- straining to hold the rifle in position... You'll never be accurate. Exactly right. You need to you need to make yourself um you need to be comfortable. comfortable. Mm. Yeah, very good. Anything else or bear? Anything from you, mate? Um well it really comes down to how much experience um someone's got with shooting in general. So um I was probably a really bad example that I'd made the jump straight to three oh eight. Um there's like that's like the first rifle I bought was a three oh eight. Um thought, yep, sweet three oh eight. Um shot it before, dad had one, uh, it was quite easily manageable. But um, I think I developed a lot of bad habits, um, just jumping straight to 308, trying to shoot when um, I don't think I had the basics down pat at that time. And it, it took a um, it took me to buy a new 22. It actually forced me to sit down and actually try and redevelop my own shooting technique and trigger control and um, just a lot of really simple things that threw me off. Um, quite an early stage that were really just making that expensive noise downrange with the 308. I was mm. getting um, inconsistent group sizes. You know, I'd have days where I'm like, yep, sweet, I'm straight on target. The next day where it's, you know, haven't touched anything, I've come back to the same target, the same position, um, shot. Um, and, yeah, things haven't gone right. And, you know, if I look back at these days, it's most likely I wasn't loading the bipod correctly, um, incorrect parallax, um, inability to... Um, account for like the ammunition so there may have been a different batch of ammo um so like i'd suggest if someone hasn't done a lot of shooting particularly with uh center fires maybe even look at a a 223 option or um hmm. you know something that's it's going to be a lot cheaper you know you can get 50 rounds for like 50 bucks in some places yep. and it's always going to be a caliber you know if you know it's not too big to go out hunting um small varmints with you can always go use it somewhere else but it's going to be a very low um, impulse or low recoil cartridge. Where you're going to be able with the to, muzzle broke. Yeah, or even even with that, man. Um, the point where you know you can fire, you can watch that fall shot quite easily, so you can start to see that, um, you know, you didn't load that bipod correctly. That round flew high. You know, you could quite easily see that. Whereas, you know, if you're not yep. used to shooting a heavy um, recoiling caliber, you shot, you've blown off target, and all of a sudden you you're looking through that optic trying to find where you shot, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh well, there's was it just because I wasn't holding it properly and the round went high? Was it because um, I wasn't behind that gun properly and it recoiled me off target, um, leading to the missed shot? There is a lot of variables that come down to shooting, and the less um, the less of those that can um, you can be assured of are affecting you, the more accurate you will become. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd I'd really suggest yeah small caliber and bulk rounds by a by a um, reputable scope. Um, you can go down to gun shop. Most guys will be able to tell you um, the bees knees. But read around. Don't just take one person's opinion on it. Um, look around. See what's see what's really going. 
um, buy once, cry once. Um, the values um, still, oh, correction, the quality's still there long after the price is forgotten. So mm. um, not saying go out, buy the latest Schmidt, the latest um, Premier Optic. I'm saying go out there, buy something that, you know, is going to, if you got rid of that rifle the next day, that scope could still serve on something else. It's not going to be a scope that's um, was sufficient for that rifle, but if you upgrade, it's automatically defunct. Yep. So yeah, agree with that one. So yeah, a lot of rounds down range. Just as Butters was saying, practice position. So your point of impact will shift um, depending on your position. So what was maybe you know half MOA from prone position, you start going to a kneeling position, um, even supported, and you know, it starts blowing out to um, uh, an inch, inch and a half, even if it's maybe you're getting a couple of shots exactly where it was previously, but then you start getting these flies, high left, high right. And not just even group size, your, your point, of impact, point of impact will change. change. Yeah, yeah, so um, a good example for mine, I know when I'm um, shooting um, LF6 in the military, 200 metres, um, I always aim... Uh, about six inches low and to the left on the 200 meter target um, to get me back on center and it's consistent like it's one of the things like I've zeroed it from prone position I know exactly it's hitting where in prone but as soon as I come to that 200 meter target I've got to um, offset um, particularly yeah, right. from a um, sitting position and um, I'd, I'd really suggest um, people look into a logbook um, may seem a bit uh, redundant these days given the amount of technology however today was a perfect example my phone bricked and um, applied ballistics um, doesn't work too well when the phone won't go on um, <laughs> so I was I busted out the old notebook and paper and wrote down some uh, good old dope today but a uh, um, logbook real important so you can record your shots you can record your positions and you can see start to pick out those patterns yourself in your own shooting mm. Like, it's quite easy, you know, you're sitting on the range, you've fired a shot, and you're like, oh, that was high left, you know, maybe it was just this, and then you readjust again, and you've shot, and it's gone the opposite way, and then you, you fire a few more shots, and then all of a sudden you start looking back, and like, oh, wait a minute, what was that first shot? Was that because I did this, or was it because I did that? And if you have a logbook, you can quite clearly yep. track your shots and denote that, yeah, no, that was because I did it, uh, I did this wrong or I did that wrong. And it's also a good way to pull out those um, common errors or those common... Um, or those unique traits of your particular rifle, because every rifle um, is different. Everyone's going to hold it different. But, mm. um, yeah, I really can't stress the um, importance that a logbook can still serve these days. Um, poor example, I'm still waiting for mine to turn up for the AW, but uh, it <laughs> will be done. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Probably one thing to add on is when you're firing a shot, don't look up and over the scope and look down range. Yeah, you, you'll hear me stand behind you going gobble, 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 because, you know, good old turkey shooters. Yeah. <laughs> try try as much as you can to follow through your shot. Try and look through that scope for as long as you can. Oh. <laughs> Butters drop Mike, he's out. He's, he's gone. Boosh. <laughs> no, no more comments like that. Yeah, you, if you want to add one thing, you just got to just follow through your shot after you shoot. Um, keep looking through that scope. Don't look up and over it. Because, yeah, if you've lost, you've just fired that shot, and um, if you don't see where it landed, you've just wasted the data. That shot can potentially provide you for the next shot. Yeah, it's as bad as a flinch. Hmm. Yeah, follow through is critical. Absolutely. Yeah, very much so, yeah. Yeah, cool. Very good, guys. Well, um, 
I was going to ask you uh, a couple more questions, but, you know, really, I'm pretty keen to go and uh, try and shoot some foxes. So um, if you guys are cool with that, we might uh, load up the ute and head on out. Don't have to ask me twice. Nah, didn't think so. But as you look like you, you said you want to say something more. You haven't talked enough, mate. I just want to allude at what we're going to shoot these foxes with. <laughs> and it goes in line with the rifles we've been talking about tonight. Right. So, um, 50 grains at about 200 and, or correction, 2,950 feet per second. Yep. Mm. That probably will drop them. Yeah, we've got pretty tough foxes here and there, so. Yeah, I didn't really want to have to skin them by hand. <laughs> no such thing as overkill. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, guys, thanks heaps for uh, taking a bit of time out around the fire and having a bit of a chat. Thanks, and, Russ. Uh, and enjoy the rest of the trip. I'm sure we'll enjoy tomorrow. Enjoy your time around, and good luck in Victoria. Um, hopefully you don't win, Butters. And um, and <laughs> and um, enjoy the time and get back to the NT safely and look forward to hopefully seeing you in October. No thanks, mate. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Precision Shooting Podcast. To continue the discussion, check out our Facebook page. And for more information, head to our website, www.precisionshootingpodcast.com.au. This episode was brought to you by Impact Dynamics, advanced training for the precision shooter.